Brother Carol, and he's just before the service here, and and uh, I gave him a couple of books that come in the mail, you know, and he said, uh, you better better hurry up and read this because uh, he's coming on September 1st, is that right? <laughs> I, I didn't give those books to him and recommended. Uh, there was some books on the second coming of the Lord that had come in the mail. However, <clears throat> it does kind of bring up the subject that I want to talk about tonight. Uh, are you ready? Sometimes we worry about things and stew about things and fret about things, but Jesus said that we're to be ready. He comes in an hour that we know not when. And uh, we need to be ready. So I'm going to be talking about uh, the fact that uh, we all need to be ready. And uh, I, I remember when I was in Markville, we used to have Royal Rangers there. And uh, so I went through all the training and everything to become a Royal Ranger leader so that I could train some of my men to be Royal Ranger leaders. And Boy, are we looking for Royal Ranger leaders in this church, right? <clears throat> God's going to provide, uh, even if he has to send somebody in. <clears throat> That's the way he does things, you know. But uh, anyway, their, their motto was uh, ready for anything, ready for work, ready for play, ready to serve, ready to obey, ready to worship, ready to live. And uh, as I said, uh, the scriptures warn us to be ready. And sometimes I kind of wonder if we're going to be like some of these people that go on vacation and they wait until the last minute and you get, you get a few miles down the road and they say, ah, you rushed me so much I forgot. Did you, did you ever get that? And you have to turn around and go back home and get it? That's happened to me a few times. <clears throat> but there's no turning back. There's, you're, you're not going to get a chance to go back and get whatever you forgot. When... When the trumpet blows, we're going to go. And I'm going up in the first resurrection. I don't know about the rest. And uh, I just think that it behooves us all to be ready because God is ready. Did you know that? God's ready. Turn with me to Nehemiah. <clears throat> As I was asking the Lord what I should talk about tonight, uh, I just happened to, this happened to be in my daily devotionals. Uh, so if you're reading through the Bible, you're probably about in the same spot, or about Nehemiah somewhere. <clears throat> Nehemiah and uh, chapter 9, verse 7. You are the Lord God who chose Abraham and brought him out of Ur of the Chaldees and gave him the name Abraham. You uh, found his heart faithful before you and made a covenant with him to give the land of the uh, Canaanites, the Hittites, the Amorites, the Perizzites, and the Jebusites, and the Girgashites, to give it to his descendants, you have performed your words, for you are righteous." You saw the afflictions of our fathers in Egypt, uh, 
and heard their cry by the Red Sea. You showed signs and wonders against Pharaoh, against all his servants, against all the people of his land, for you knew that they acted proudly against them. So you made a name for yourself as it is this day, and you divided the sea before them so that they went through the midst of the sea on dry land, and their uh, their persecutors you threw into the depth deep as a stone into the mighty waters. Moreover, you led them by day with a cloud and by night with a pillar of fire to give them light on the road which they should travel. You came down also on Mount Sinai and spoke with them from heaven and gave them just ordinances and true laws, good statutes and commandments. You made known to them your holy Sabbath and commanded them precepts, statutes, and laws by the hand of Moses, your servant. You gave them bread from heaven for their hunger and brought them water out of the rock for their thirst and told them to go into possess the land which you had sworn to give them. But they, are, they and our fathers acted proudly, hardened their necks, and did not heed your commandments. They refused to obey. They were not mindful of your wonders that you did among them, but they hardened their necks. And with the, their, in their rebellion, they appointed a leader and returned to return their bondage but you are God, ready to pardon, gracious and merciful, slow to anger, abundant in kindness, and did not forsake them. Heavenly Father, I ask your blessings be added to the reading of the word. And God, as we break the word of life here tonight, this is the middle of the week. It's a time when when we're at a point where we need to something to fill us, something to strengthen us, that we might face the workday world uh, and the things that we meet from day to day out there. God, would you just give us that manna from heaven tonight that would feed our souls? Would you meet us here in a mighty way? Lord, would you speak to our hearts, open our, our ears and our eyes and our minds that we might understand the word And may your anointing just rest upon this pastor as he brings it forth, for we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. God is ready. God had chosen them as a people, as it says here in verse 7. He had uh, chose Abraham out of Ur of the Chaldees. In verse 8, he made a covenant with Abraham and with these Jews. And uh, God brought about a deliverance from bondage in verses 9 through 12. He brought them out of Egypt through the waters. Uh, they, they walked through on dry land. And then God uh, gave uh, commandments and precepts in verses 13 and 14 at Mount Sinai. He He gave the tablets uh, of stone uh, to Moses. These were just and righteous precepts uh, and laws. 
and he took care of their hunger and thirst in verse 15. I hope you're following along with me because it means so much more when, you, when you're looking at the word, all right? Uh, verse 15, uh, he took care of their hunger and thirst. And uh, I want you to note the people's reaction in verse 16 here. It says, but they and our fathers acted proudly. I mean, God had done it all. What did they have to be proud about? God had called forth the deliverance. God had chosen them. God had delivered them out of Egypt and out of sin and out of bondage. And now they're filled with pride. Uh, look at me. Look what I've done. Look how holy I've become. Uh, you know, a lot of ch church people get to be that way. God, God must, he's got to be patient, I'll tell you that. He's got to be merciful. I mean, after all he'd done for these people, then when he wants them to do something, they're proud, they're haughty. And, and I just don't see what they had to be proud about, and I don't see what any of us have got to be proud about. Salvation is of God. We didn't do a thing. All we did was accept what God had already done. Amen? They refused to obey him, verse 17. Kind of reminds me of sometimes your children. I mean, some parents bend over backward for their children. I mean, I've seen women go go without shoes, new shoes themselves that they badly need in order to buy something for the child. I've seen where they would skimp on food money, and I, my own mother did this, skimp on food money so that she would have money to buy me a pair of shoes for school. And yet, after everything the parent does, the child gets this attitude like, who are you to tell me what to do? They, they get, you'd like to take them by the neck and ring, you know. But that's exactly the attitude that these Israelites had, and it's exactly the attitude that many Christians get. God has done everything for us and all he asks of us is that we obey him, that we love him, that we accept him, that we walk with him, that we fellowship with him. Isn't that right? Doesn't seem like it's too much to ask. <clears throat> they were not mindful of the wonders of God. Here God had done all these wonderful things. He led them by a, a, a fire by night and, and by a cloud by day so that they'd know the way in which they should go. And uh, they, they just weren't mindful of the wonderful things that God had done. And sometimes I don't think we're mindful either. I don't think that we really pay attention to what God is doing in our lives. God, God is doing so much, and he, he deserves 
our praise because he is so wonderful to us. And yet, sometimes we're so unthankful. He appointed, uh, they appointed leaders uh, other than God. They wanted to go back into bondage again. Can you imagine that? They haven't been delivered from bondage that long, and, and they appoint leaders for themselves to lead them back into bondage. But I want you to notice what it says in verse 17. This is worthy of note. Look at verse 17. It says, But your God is ready to pardon. Did you hear it? Your God is ready to pardon. After, after how we treat God and after the way these people treated God, God stands ready to pardon us. Isn't that fantastic? Hallelujah. There was a, there was a man that lived in 1830. His name was George Wilson, and he was a prisoner on a murder charge during the uh, Stonewall Jackson administration. Or Andrew Jackson. The same one, isn't it? Andrew Jackson? No, not the same one. Okay. During the Andrew Jackson administration. And Andrew Jackson sent a pardon. And this man said... I don't want it. And a pardon's no good if, unless I accept it. And so the uh, attorney, attorney general said, well, there's, there's nothing in the law to... The, the law is silent on this. So he went to the Supreme Court with it. And the Supreme Court came back with the ruling that a pardon is only a pardon although the, uh, the Supreme Court could, could not conceive anyone who was under a death sentence not accepting a pardon. But if they didn't accept it, then the pardon was not a pardon and this man was right, he would have to die. Can you imagine someone under a death sentence not wanting, wanting to be pardoned? You and I, God, stands ready to pardon. We're under a death sentence. See, all who have, all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. And the wages of sin are death. So we all stand guilty before God. And the only way out of this is to accept this pardon that God has. And he says, here it is. 
But it's no good unless we accept it. In the New Testament, the word in the Greek that is used mostly for sin is missing the mark. If God has a plan for my life and I do something with my life other than what God has planned, then I have missed the mark. Isn't that right? He who knows to do good and does it not, to him it is sin. So just not doing what you're supposed to do is sin. Right? And so I see where we got a great problem here. We can either accept the pardon of God or not. Then if you'll turn to Psalm 86 and verse 5. I said that I was talking about being ready. In verse 5 here it says, For you, Lord, are good and ready to forgive. See, God is not all only ready to pardon. God is ready to forgive. God forgives. No matter what you've done, God will forgive it if you ask him. I don't know of a... There, there's, there's only one sin, and that's called the unpardonable sin, and that has to do with the blasphemy of the Holy Spirit, and that's neither forgiven in this world or the next. There's a sin that's on to death, and we're told not to pray for that. But just about every sin you can think of, God stands ready to pardon and forgive, no matter what it is. Isn't that neat? Forgiving, or forgiveness is more than the remission of a penalty. It should mean the restoration of a broken fellowship. That's what, what it really is. You see, God not only throws our sins into the sea of his forgetfulness, right? But he acts like we never committed them. And the fellowship is reinstated. We're, we're back in fellowship with God the moment our sins are forgiven. Isn't that right? <clears throat> Isaiah 59.2 says, But your iniquities have separated between you and your God, and your sins have hid his face from you that, you, uh, that he will not hear. See, what happens is when we sin, 
it breaks the line of communication with God. It's like a, like a short in a telephone wire. There is just no communication as long as that sin there. God cannot look upon sin. Over and over again, he tells Israel, your sins have separated you. And I wonder how many times our prayers go unanswered because maybe we're holding wrong attitudes or maybe we've sinned against a brother or a sister and, and we refuse to go and make it right. Romans 8.23 says, like all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. That means pastors and, and uh, parishioners. And everyone falls under that same category. Even over in John, he says, uh, if we say we have no sin, then, uh, then we lie. And the truth's not in us. Far? Romans 3.23. What did I say? Oh, I'm sorry. 3.23. <clears throat> Sometimes I misquote like that. Thank you for catching me on that. Uh, but it says if we'll confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. That means, if means there's a possibility there that we will. And although we're given power over sin and we're, you know, he came to, to uh, uh, keep us from sinning. Jesus came to deliver us from sin, not in our sins. There's still the possibility that we fall short. And we fall into these little sins that are so easily to fall into. And I think any truthful Christian would say, yeah, I know what you're talking about. So what's the answer? Go to Matthew 26. And verse 20, uh, 26. 26, 26. And as they were eating, and this here is at the Last Supper, Jesus took bread and blessed it and broke it and gave it to his disciples and said, Take, eat, this is my body. Then he took the cup and he gave thanks and gave it to them, saying, Drink from it, all of you. For this is the blood of the new covenant, which is shed for many for the remission of sins. It took the shed blood of Jesus Christ. And though we're going to fall short, though we're going to have these little times when we do things that we shouldn't, we, we miss the mark, that's 
when we can call upon the shed blood of Jesus Christ. If we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive us our sins. Aren't you glad for the shed blood of Jesus Christ? You see, when, if, if we would be quick to ask for forgiveness, the shed blood of Jesus Christ would cover it, would cleanse us. But it's like that man that was in prison there that didn't accept the pardon. It's there, but if you don't accept it, what good is it? You can know about it, but if you don't do it, what good does it do you? <clears throat> Therefore, John could say, if we confess our sins, if, did you get that? If we confess our sins. So the first thing you got to do is you got You've got to acknowledge, yes, that is a sin. You know, most of us don't want to even believe it in our own selves. We try to cover it up. We try to hide it from ourselves. Try to, try to make excuses for it. And God says, if you'll can. Jesus, or John says here, if you confess, in other words, agree with God, yes, that's sin. So, the number one thing you've got to do, the shed blood's there, but you've got to confess. <clears throat> and I don't know of any way of confessing sin other than, than going to God and saying, God, I've sinned. And call out the sin to him. Name the sin to him and ask God to forgive it. And secondly, God stands ready to forgive, we, we found here, and to pardon. But we also need to remember that over in Matthew 6, and I called this to your attention on Sunday, I think it was, that the Lord's Prayer, right after it, it says, if you uh, forgive, uh, then, then I'll forgive you in, in so many words. If you don't forgive, then I'm not going to forgive you. And so our forgiveness depends not only on confessing that sin, but also forgiving others their sins, if we want our sins forgiven. Forgive those that trespass against you. That's part of the Lord's Prayer, right? Uh, the formality that we call the Lord's Prayer. So you need to ask yourself, do I have any unforgiveness in my life? Am I calling the thing that God calls sin, sin? Or am I making excuses for myself? See, we've got to put that under the blood of Jesus. And then we must accept. It's confess, forgive, and accept. You've got to accept his forgiveness as well as giving forgiveness to others. 
And then everybody can benefit for this, so as long as you're up here, you can just take note of this too. God is ready to save, and that's over in Isaiah 38 and verse 20. I'm not going to turn to it. You can just take note of that. God is ready to save. And salvation is as, is as easy as ABC. You know, we try to make salvation such a hard thing. Don't we? But actually, salvation is very easy. Take these down because it makes it very easy for you to explain it to someone else if you're explaining salvation. A, all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. Romans 3.23. B, behold the Lamb of God that taketh away the sins of the world. John 1, 29. And C, come now and let us reason together, saith the Lord. And though your sins be as scarlet, they shall be white as snow. Though they be uh, like crimson, they shall be like wool. And that's found over in Isaiah 1 and verse 18. That's it, ABC. We've sinned. We go to the Lamb of God for forgiveness. And the blood of Christ cleanses us from all unrighteousness. And you know what? I can be ready on September 1st. All I got to do is make sure all my sins are under the blood. And then, then, then if... Then upon September 1st, Jesus should appear and uh, the trumpet should blow. I'm not going to be ashamed. So let's confess our sins tonight. Let's just take a moment, bow your heads, and, 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 and just let the Holy Spirit come in. And if, uh, if there's any sins that you've committed, whether it's sins of omission things you haven't done, sins uh, that maybe you've sinned against a brother or a sister and you've got unforgiveness, uh, whatever the sin might be, just let the Holy Spirit bring it to your mind and then just say, Jesus, I've sinned. I ask your forgiveness. May the blood of Jesus Christ cleanse me from all unrighteousness. Look upon my heart and see if there be any wicked ways in me. Father, I want to be ready should Jesus come tonight. I want, I want all of my sins washed away. And God, if there's something I need to make restitution for, then God, I stand ready to go. But Lord, I don't want to be ashamed when you come. May the blood of Jesus now cleanse us from all unrighteousness. For we ask it in his name. Amen.